You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm the Middle, one by one, in chronological order. Today we're going to be talking about Bowling, which originally aired April 1st, 2001, was directed by Todd Holland and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and I wish I was a bird. I'm David, and you're worse than your father. Before we get to this week's episode, we have our community segment. Yeah, uh, we've got some Twitter stuffs. We sure do. Yeah, make sure to go to our Twitters, guys. Yeah, we it's like, fun times. It is. We like it. Plus, yeah. then I get to see it and interact with you. Well, you know, it can't all be good things, but... Wow! <laughs> I promise there's good things with Twitter, too. I hate you so much. <laughs> but uh, we've got some poll results for uh reese cooks which was that was such a good episode it was, it was a great episode and boy <laughs> did you make some choices for these awards yeah i made the right choices <laughs> wow <laughs> but for least shitty kid for that episode i chose dewey by process of elimination <laughs> you chose reese yeah for learning to cook for, for learning a valuable life skill. Look, that is an oversimplification of my argument, and I detest your absolutely abhorrent boiling down of a very clear, lucid argument. Boy, you're going to be real upset when, I, when you find out how I phrased the shittiest kid award. But, wow. Uh, but the audience overwhelmingly agreed with me. 60% chose Dewey, uh, with 20% choosing Francis, and 20% choosing Reese. Which, I'm just saying, as someone who, like, you know, posted it and, you know, saw when, when that first vote came in, it just happened to be right as you left your comment on that. I'm not saying you're the one who voted for Reese, but it's very suspicious. Wow. That the only vote for Reese came in at the exact time you happened to be writing your comment. If I was writing my comment, I couldn't have voted. Duh. Jeez, Jake. It's like you don't it know takes, how Twitter works. It, you, you push one button. It takes a second. You absolutely. No, I have to see. Not the, as you're doing it. Like I have to click. View, I'm on mobile. I have to click view poll and then I have to push the button. It's two buttons. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it wasn't me. Uh, the, and I, again, these baseless accusations that are being flung at me are absolutely, they are tantamount to libel, sir, and I will see you in court. Brain it. Uh, we do know who the one vote for Francis was. It uh, was explained. Yes. Was, uh, Erica, once, once again, let us know why she was voting for uh, both of her choices for this poll, which we appreciate. It's fun for us. Yeah. Uh, but she chose Francis uh, because she found him relatable as someone with ADHD. Uh, his constant finding things to distract him from his work, which is understandable. Yeah, I, I can see relating to that. Yes. I still don't I, think Francis has ADHD. No, that's what I was about to say. Like, as a person who's married to someone with ADHD and, like, ADHD runs in her family, I've seen ADHD, and I absolutely feel for those of you guys suffering with that. I know learning the techniques to deal with it and, and cope with the way your brain works differently than uh, the people around you can be difficult. I don't think that's what Francis was doing. I get how you can empathize with this. I just think Francis is a shithead because... Like, the difference between the people that I've known with ADHD is they tried, but their brain didn't work that way, so they didn't succeed. Francis didn't try. He, in fact, tried to get out of it. But yeah, uh, and for the shittiest kid award for that episode, I made the correct choice of Reese. <laughs> No. For mass poisoning. No. That's, well, well, you are really slandering 
His good name, you are, that's libel. That's in print. That is libel. Look, <laughs> you absolutely skewed the results by putting that in there. What is wrong? These are supposed to be unbiased polls. Yeah, and I phrase it very unbiasedly. I'll, I'll, I'll read, I'll continue reading the exact way I, I worded it. Because again, it's very unbiased, uh -huh. very fair and balanced. Yeah. But noted monster David chose Malcolm for being mean to Cynthia. Who did you think poisoned the most people? Sorry, who did you think the shittiest kid of the episode? What? That? You told them <laughs> which way to vote. No, no, no. I just presented the facts. No, no. That's a real... I don't want to get political, but you know whose political team wrote that tweet. And they're not allowed on Twitter anymore. Wow. Wow. I'm just saying. That sort of leading language... That's libel. I need to hire a judge. I need to go to hireajudge.com. Nah, they don't have the good judges there. But uh, as for the internet's uh, results, 75% of people voted for Reese, of course. Uh, with the, uh, once again, our one outlier is Erica, who voted for Dewey uh, because she had a physical cringe moment to <laughs> when he got his tongue stuck in the mixer. Yeah, I can understand that, I suppose. I don't think it makes him a shitty kid. I think it makes him a kid, but I get the cringiness. Also, yeah, I, I absolutely appreciate Erica for leaving her reasoning for her votes. Not saying you guys have to. We'd appreciate it if you vote. But getting to see your guys' thoughts on the episodes and, and uh, why you thought individual kids deserve shittiest or least shitty is a lot of fun for me, at least. Yeah, same. But uh, all that aside, let's get to this week's episode. <laughs> We uh, have a cold open to begin with. Jake's laughing because he took my intro line, which was from the cold open. Yes. You uh, son of a... <laughs> it starts with Malcolm and Reese laying in their beds in their room, and they're uh, throwing a pencil, specifically Reese is throwing a pencil into the ceiling, letting it drop, catching it, uh, like kids do sometimes. Yeah, kids. <laughs> they're talking about, you know, how boring it is and how once they have a car... You know, they'll never be this bored again. Everything will be better. Then it cuts to Francis, who is doing the exact same thing in the common room of Marlin Academy. And he's talking with other cadets about how, you know, he can't wait till uh, he's an adult and he has his own place and he can do whatever he wants and everything will be better. Then it cuts to Hal at work, who's doing the exact same thing. And he just says, I wish I was a bird. I mean, relatable. I've had similar thoughts while I work. That you wish you were a bird? Well, there's a lot of turkeys around my facility, so I stare out the window sometimes and watch the turkeys. Fair, I guess. But that would make me want to be a bird even less. The last bird I'd want to be is a turkey. Turkeys don't have to sit in an office all day. True. Yeah. But they suck. True. But I could suck in an office, or I could suck in a field. That doesn't really make it better. Can I change my answer here? <laughs> no, 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 David. Just keep listing all the places you could suck. Don't you have an episode to review here? Okay, let's get into the episode proper. So usually we start with the F-plot, but uh, this episode doesn't have one. It's a very straightforward episode. We just have an A-plot and a B-plot. With the A-plot centering around Lois taking Malcolm and Reese uh, bowling while Hal stays back and watches Dewey. And uh, I, I, I think we should start with the uh, B-plot. The Hal and Dewey plot line. Yeah, that seems fair. Well, realistically, they, they both start in the same place because it uh, starts with Malcolm and Reese uh, getting ready for their, you know, bowling day, which they're excited about because there's going to be girls there. Yeah, but Malcolm doesn't care. 
Yeah. And they're both, like, sprucing themselves up, uh, putting cologne on, all of that stuff. Uh, but Dewey doesn't get to go because of an undisclosed incident with the neighbor's parakeet. <laughs> yeah, I really want to know what happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a hard time with that for uh, certain <laughs> award purposes. Trying to, like, guess exactly how bad what Dewey did was. I have lived in the same home as a parakeet. And no offense to bird people, but, uh... <laughs> It's probably justified. Yeah, not 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 a big fan on birds' as fats either. Yeah, birds should exist. I don't mind watching birds. Like, well, they don't. But go on. I hate you so much. <laughs> I I like watching birds out in nature and stuff. Don't bring one in your home. Three in the morning is not supposed to be squawk squawk squawk. Fucking yep. annoy you time. Yeah, it's supposed to be sleep time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I briefly also had a pet bird from like a rescue situation and yeah it was not a not not a fan they're very loud but but because of whatever this incident was he uh doesn't get to go bowling and lois tells him he's gonna have to get their neighbor a new parakeet tomorrow but hal stays back with dewey he immediately you know puts him to bed early as part of his punishment and dewey is complaining about how he doesn't want to go to bed early that hal tells him that this isn't up for debate and he starts to leave and, th and then he like comes back and he's like ha has to explain to dewey you understand why we're doing this right <laughs> then the, the next time we come back to hal he's in the kitchen like it looks like working on like fixing a part of the vacuum cleaner uh, it's a very specific part. It's, it's like the tube thingy. The tube thing? Yeah. It's the roller for the brushes, yeah. Jake. Yeah, the tube thing. No, the tube thing. Oh, Jake. yeah, I guess the tube you, you could be like the hose. Oh, my God. Listen, if I meant that, I would have called it the hose. This it's is not the tubey thing. No, tube implies that it's hollow. Does it? Yes. I don't think so. Yes, tubes are... Mm, nah. Yes, I Jake. I don't, I don't think so. Google, I think wrong. Google a fucking tube. Right I, don't, I don't have to. I'm right. Okay, look. If Jake <laughs> does not get an email that says you're wrong after this, I will know that you people in the audience are biased and cannot be trusted. Jake doesn't know what the fuck a tube is. All right? Yeah, I do. It's a round, like, cylinder. No! Yeah. It's just, that's a cylinder! It's not a tube! They're synonyms, David. No, they're not! I want to punch you so bad! Look, now you know how I felt during Reese Cooks, David. <laughs> yeah, but you were wrong! And so were you! <laughs> I hate you so much. Keep going. Okay, uh, but as he's working on this, Francis calls. He wants uh, some money because him and some of the other cadets have a chance to buy a car together. <laughs> They're all gonna pitch in. If he pitches in a hundred bucks, he gets the car every seventh weekend. Yeah, and he's like giving all the reasons why him having this car would be a good thing. But uh, after his little spiels, uh, Hal says, sorry, Francis, uh, we, we can't do it. And Francis like very... You know, calmly and then Clex says, uh, yeah, no problem. And he hangs up. Uh, but at, in the background as this is happening, Dewey sneaks out of his room and grabs uh, a big bag of some kind. It looks like the old school family size Lay's potato chips. Yeah, that, that's also what I thought it was. But it's, it's very nondescript. They clearly used an off-brand, you know, one of those movie TV made, like, doesn't actually yeah. have a brand on it. And maybe it could also just be that it's so far in the background that we, you just can't tell. No, the label doesn't have anything on it. Okay. I, I watched that scene three times for a reason. Okay, then. Yeah, because I was really prepared to do the whole Kellogg's cereal box thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember what I meant that work. You didn't... 
I did a lot of research for it. It was, it was, a, it was very difficult. No, you didn't. <laughs> you cannot gaslight me. I remember too well. You needed to wait a season to make that joke. And then you could have <laughs> gaslighted me. You didn't wait long enough. Well, see, that, that's the issue, Dave. I don't actually want to gaslight you. I get the enjoyment out of your anger. I know. Dewey uh, takes that big bag of chips or whatever uh, off to his bedroom, just completely unnoticed. Then when we come back to this plot line again, Hal is like walking in the hallway past the boys' room and he hears Dewey crying in the bedroom. And uh, of course he goes in and he uh, asks what's wrong, which Dewey doesn't answer. And he asks if Dewey wants him to read a book. Specifically, it's Wilbur the Worried Worm. It's one of Dewey's favorites, he says. I imagine it would be one of yours as well. <laughs> but he you know, lays down in Dewey's bed next to him and starts reading the book. And of course he falls asleep reading it. Yeah, that's, that's what dads do. If you don't fall asleep reading your kid a book, you're not a dad yet. You're just a wannabe. Wow. What? I have experience. I know. <laughs> just get shit on uh, dads with energy, I guess. Yeah, because they're not dads. You're not doing enough. Fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but Dewey, of course, does not fall asleep. And he uh, takes advantage of Hal having fallen asleep uh, while reading to him. I mean, does he take advantage of him? He tucks him in. He does tuck sweetly. him in. Yeah. And then <laughs> he goes out, he orders a pizza while he's making, while he's trying to roast a marshmallow over the stove, which not, catches on fire. Not trying. He succeeds. As you mentioned, it caught on fire. It's roasted. I don't think that's roasting. Roasting and burning are different processes. I, I catch mine on fire every time I roast them on purpose. It's great. That's disgusting. You're wrong. <laughs> No. A properly roasted marshmallow should be golden brown, not yeah. blackened. No, 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 yeah, it, you, you, it's golden brown, but it's got a little bit of crust on it. Yeah, you don't need to catch it on fire for that. No, but it's way faster if you do. No, you catch yeah, it on catch fire, it on... That, that's when you get the black tinges no. on it. You don't want you that. You catch it on fire real quick, and then you blow it out real fast. No, I've, I've, seen, I've seen your marshmallow work. It's got the black crispies no, on it. No, you're thinking of my wife's. No, I'm mine, thinking of yours. Mine never have the black crispies. Okay. <laughs> we got a fire pit out back. I will go start a fire right now. Do it. You won't. He did it. But I would have. But we have a podcast to record, and I'm a professional. When Dewey's Pizza arrives, he tells the delivery guy that he doesn't have any cash because he gave that all to the to the uh, video rental guy. And he asks if he takes credit card, and he says yes. And Dewey asks, will one work? And the uh, pizza guy, seen an opportunity, says, uh, better make it two. Yep, that pizza guy was a real shitty kid. Then the the last little tidbit we get of this plot line is you you can hear outside Lois and the boys coming home from their uh, trip to the bowling alley, and Dewey like very quickly uh, he's sitting watching TV and he like gathers up all of his empty soda cans and food wrappers and stuff, runs to the bedroom, apparently puts hides them somewhere in the room, grabs Hal and like leads him out to the couch. And then puts a piece of pizza in his hand. Yes. And is very clever. Then he runs back to his room. The perfect crime. It's not a crime. Hal would have wanted his son to have eaten something. He showed initiative. He took care of himself. And he really, really showed 
that he's capable of handling himself. I was proud of doing. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into it more yeah. later. I yeah. know we will. Yeah, we might. Oh, we, we might. Will. We might. But uh, yeah, that that just uh, leaves the only other plot line, the A plot. Uh, as we already said, uh, you know, starts the same way as, as the uh, B plot, and they sort of diverge once Lois says that uh, she'll take the boys to the bowling alley. The first real independent scene for this plot line is Lois driving the boys to the bowling alley, which as she's doing that, she's lecturing them about how they need to behave because the bowling alley is one of the last public places that they aren't banned from. Yes, as we've seen before, the Wilkerson family has quite the history of getting kicked out of places. Yes. They pull up to the bowling alley. Malcolm and Reese thank Lois and uh, tell her they can walk the rest of the way. She can just go. And she says, you know, she recognizes that they're at the age where being with her uh, embarrasses them. Then it hard cuts to her going into the bowling alley with them. Yeah, I was going to say, then she does what every mom that I've ever seen does and does it anyways. Uh-huh. Although, to be fair, for me, growing up, that was actually my dad. Like, Hal and Lois are very much reversed for mom and dad for me here my mom wouldn't quite like fall asleep or like leave me to my own devices like Hal did but like she's way more chill and laid back and like lets you make mistakes and then punishes you for it later but my dad would not miss an opportunity to embarrass you yeah I guess for me it's a weird thing where my dad is both sides of that because he like it was never an issue for me since I'm not easily embarrassed by that kind of thing but he he constantly embarrassed my sister Jackie who was and relished in doing it but he was also pretty much incapable of punishing us right yeah your dad your dad and my dad together though was the worst <laughs> oh my god and a little fucked up Fair. looking back at what they used to do they they some of their jokes do not hold up well what yeah see like my dad wouldn't have fallen asleep he would have been like ordering the pizza himself and uh -huh. forgetting that i'm supposed to be you know in some sort of punishment did you ever have the experience where he let you do something got caught letting you do something and then was like oh, i didn't know he did that uh, that's some bullshit it sounds like something that could have potentially happened, but I don't remember it ever happened. But I also wasn't in trouble very often. You weren't. No, most of it fell on the rest of us, even though you were a part of it. That's asinine. I, I was a good kid. We, we've had this argument on air before. We can move on from it. <laughs> this is this is two times now in this episode. You're just dead wrong, and they can Google one of them. I've seen you allegedly break into places. Allegedly. For legal purposes. Allegedly. <laughs> But uh, back to the episode. Lois g goes to buy their rental bowling shoes, and she, you know, it's short money, which she's confused by. So she says that they're going to have to share their shoes. Uh, she initially wants a pair of sevens and a pair of nines. Instead, she gets one pair of eights, which is unfortunate for presumably Reese. It's like going up a size of shoe, not that awful. Going down. That's pretty rough. brutal and uh malcolm complains because reese isn't wearing socks well he's not gonna stick his socks in those nasty shoes yeah reese logic then the boys uh head over and you know meet up with their friends and lois realizes that there's no adults there to chaperone the worst and she of course takes it upon herself to fill that role, uh, which we see, like, pretty quickly, like, as, as Malcolm is going up to bowl, she is, like, forcing, like, two of the kids apart, so she wants to see some sunlight between them. Oh, I hate that. 
I have a whole tangent about that whole line. I hated being told that. Look, so I feel like I have to explain now. I went to college very early. I moved out of my parents' house fairly early. I met my now wife very early. I was ahead of the curve on a lot of things. With our parents' permission, I, I even asked her dad's permission. We were engaged at 17. That, however, didn't seem to stop any adults. And I once literally had our hands slapped because I was holding her hand at a church function and this little old lady slapped our hands apart and then leaned over and was like, holding hands leads to sex. And I could not, I almost retorted back with, I hope so. But, uh, I, <laughs> like, I'm marrying this woman. But yeah, I, I could literally fill this entire podcast with stories like that from my I don't doubt myself. it. It was fucking awful. Lois, be better. Say it better, at least. I'm fine with chaperoning them. Separate them. Don't ever use that fucking <laughs> phrase. Please. The amount of times, I want to see sunlight or Bibles width apart. Anyways, sorry, go ahead. But while this is going on in the background, he, no, Bulls is a first ball, I guess. What's the phrase for, like, not a frame, but, like, the actual, like, fame? The actual fame? Is that the proper term? I don't think so. That doesn't sound right. No. Is it just fall? Or attempt or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't remember I, I, I know there's a right term for it, but I don't know if ball is it. Maybe. Uh, I don't bowl very much. Uh, uh, it's been years. But, yeah, it's it's his very first throw. Yes, uh, which is a gutter ball. Jake ball? Listen. He didn't grind bowl, though. <laughs> Listen, I granny bowl. I do okay. Uh, but that, of course, draws Lois' attention as she starts giving him pointers, which will sort of escalate through the episode. But while that is going on, uh, Reese is talking to a girl who will learn uh, is Beth, and he's asking her if she wants to hear a joke. She says, you know, she does want to hear it, and he starts to tell it, and then uh, before he can finish, Lois yells that it's his turn. And he's then, sort of, sort of in that escalation I was talking about, Lois gives Malcolm a lighter ball, a little kid's ball, as she thinks it'll help him do better. Uh, so apparently he's like a couple uh, gutter balls in at this point. Malcolm goes to throw it, uh, and like as he does, he realizes that it says uh, Connie on it, like mid-throw. <laughs> he lets go of the ball. And it shoots off to the right, lands in the lane next to it before bouncing back into his and still going in the gutter. Yeah, it does one of those I release too late things. I've seen it happen in, in bowling alleys and it is terrifying every time. The ball goes up in the air, <laughs> straight up. I, I will say, as bad as I am a bully, I've never done that. That is true. I have seen it happen, though. Mostly from, like, our friends who are trying to learn how to bowl like our buddy Nathan and do the, like, curve bowl thing. And I've seen some bowling balls go flying sometimes. <laughs> Then, the next time we come back to this plot line, Lois is giving Malcolm uh, more advice, a sort of standard bullying advice about, like, pointing his hips and that kind of thing, which uh, prompts Malcolm to, uh, after, uh, once again, well, first he complains, once again, about the kid ball he has. He wants to switch back. But Lois says no, because he's locked a couple pins down since she he switched. Specifically five. Uh, between that and the advice, uh, after another gutter ball, Malcolm turns to camera and says he hates bull. Then, uh, as Malcolm is having, uh, this bad time, we, we get, like, a couple little, uh, asides of Reese and Beth flirting, bonding through this, uh, and every time Reese goes to tell this joke, and it happens one more time, you know, uh, he starts to tell it this time, he asks her, uh, if she wants to go to the beach, 
then he doesn't get any further as once again Lois calls out and interrupts him. Then the next time we come back and it, it has now gotten to the point that there are those like kitty bumpers in the gutter for Malcolm which make like a clown-esque squeaky sound when Malcolm's ball hits it. Yeah these are like the inflatable I, I've never seen that style. Right <laughs> and uh Lois is telling him isn't that much better you don't have to worry about the gutters now you can just bowl and have fun which of course Malcolm is embarrassed by and uh sitting with Reese uh Beth asks if Reese should maybe try to help Malcolm because he seems really embarrassed and he says he just couldn't do that to him because he's Malcolm's hero they would just embarrass him if he did that in front of everyone then Beth and Reese are like planning to go off and find a place to be alone together so they are little relationship relationship has progressed into the making out stage apparently i feel like that doesn't take much for those two fair enough before they they go off alone beth asks him to finish his joke which uh restarts once again he starts to and then he sort of gets a look of realization on his face and says you know what that's a dumb joke i shouldn't say it right it makes me wonder what the joke is i know it's been killing me right it has to do with a beach i think he said something about the wind and salt i think uh yeah I, 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 I really wish we got that joke. Yeah. Missed opportunity. It would be great for Reese to deliver a joke rather than be the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, to see maybe like some sense of humor from him that's not just, you know, mindless cruelty. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't get that. We never learn what this joke is. That's right. Uh, but I will say it is, you know, good progress that uh, Reese thought about something more than once. That's true. I mean, he was forced into it, but you're right. Yeah. It does show real growth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shows that given enough opportunities, Reese is capable of making rational choices, potentially. Look, I, you've, I don't know. Maybe you've heard of first thought wrong. Reese is like 10th thought wrong. He has to really get down there. Yes. Going back to Malcolm in this scene, he <laughs> has another bad throw. And Lois is talking about, you know, you're, you're not this bad of a boy. You really just got to focus. Uh, I didn't raise you to quit, uh, all this. And Malcolm has finally had enough. He snaps and he uh, yells at Lois. Well, there's a, you remember why he snaps. Uh, what, what, what's the last straw? The, uh, the bowler in the lane next to them. Oh, yeah. Says yeah. your mom's right, Caroline. Uh, not Caroline, Connie. Connie, you're right, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, then Malcolm yells, my name is Malcolm. And he uh, starts yelling at Lois. And he says, you want a strike? I'll give you a strike. And he marches up to the pins. He's like a foot away. And he goes to throw the ball at the pins. Completely whiffs. And doesn't get a single one. Uh, Which, by the way, a little piece of trivia, was not planned. He was just supposed to walk up and like throw and, you know, hit the pins. It was an accident, but it was so good they decided to keep it. That's amazing. <laughs> Which uh, then prompts all of the other kids there to uh, laugh at Malcolm. And they <laughs> are chanting Connie. Yeah, the whole bowling alley at this point. Uh, including, of course, Reese. The, the one person who doesn't join in is Beth. Well, and Lois. Well, yeah. Uh, but uh, seeing Reese uh, tear into Malcolm this way, uh, Beth has lost interest in him. That's fair. Reese has finally revealed his true character. <laughs> she said, no thanks. <laughs> Look, he's growing little by little, all right? He needs, uh, Reese needs, like, the teenage version 
of the criminal that Francis hooks up with earlier on. Uh, I can't remember her name. The one Phoebe? who was watching, yeah, yeah, the one who was watching Buffy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna call her. <laughs> then the next time we come back, Reese is talking to Lois, and he's saying that you know initially he didn't want her there, but he's actually really glad that she stayed. Shocking, Reese. <laughs> yes, I do appreciate that. You know, Reese, e even though he you know didn't get the girl he was going after, the fact that Malcolm was uh, publicly humiliated still enough to make it a good night. For yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Malcolm is off on his own, moping about how things have gone when Beth comes over and talks to him. First, she's sort of nice to him that uh, she, she makes like, a kind of, a very Malcolm-esque, honestly, like snarky remark about how funny it was when he was like five inches from the pins and still missed them all. And Malcolm uh, sort of snaps at her and says, or uh, first she asks if Malcolm wants to kiss her. Then Malcolm snaps at her and uh, says, you know, you think you could just come over here and make fun of me and I'll still kiss you? And then of course he kisses her. Yeah, Malcolm just lunges at this girl and yeah. uh, they proceed to... Uh... Make out. Yes. Uh, until Lois sees this and she, of course, comes over and physically removes them from each other. And tells Malcolm he's worse than his father. Yes. Then she uh, tells him that they are going to sit on opposite sides of the car for the ride home. That's okay. If they're clever, that won't stop them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure with Lois. That's fair. She is. She has like a sixth sense. Like she can know when people are like leaving a room without seeing them and just like. Yeah. Yeah. She's got some magic powers. Absolutely. Then the, the last little tidbit, which we've already talked about with the Dewey plot line is they come home. But the, the detail that we left out is that uh, when Hal like still half asleep asks her how it went, uh, she immediately says, next time you take them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Let, let's right. move on to awards. Awards. What did you have for your hot dog with mustard on it, David? Your award for the best lie. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, I, my notes are jumbled up here a little bit. Sorry. So my award for this uh, comes from Lois, and uh, it's at the bowling alley when she's, like, trying to coach and encourage Malcolm. And uh, it is a line that I have heard as an excuse so many times from bowlers who are just bowling poorly. And Malcolm, one of the times that he misses and gets a just absolute gutter ball, she yells out, maybe the lane is warped. And if you've ever spent time around a bowling alley, that line is hilarious. Because you'll hear all the time, like, really competitive bowlers who are just having, like, an off night. This lane's warped. It's divoted. It's dead. It's just... It is the best. I love it. Yeah, uh, mine comes... Also comes from uh, Malcolm's Bowl, and we, we already referenced it a little bit in the uh, recap, but it's uh, when Lois is telling Malcolm, you know, not to quit, to keep trying, the stranger in the lane next to him just turns and, like, it, it doesn't, like, from his expression and stuff, it doesn't even seem like a joke, it just seems sincere, but he just says, your mom's right, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> I think he thinks that's what his name is. Yeah, just like the, the deadpan delivery is what really makes it for me. Yeah, I, I love the way that it it just comes across this sincere, like, encouragement, and it just sends Malcolm over the top. Yeah. So uh, let's go to our Roller Skating King Awards, our awards for the best visual moment, which I'll go first for this one, because this has one of my absolute favorite visual moments in the entire series. It's one of those scenes that's just burned into my brain since childhood, and it is that scene of Malcolm throwing the tantrum and then just <laughs> marching up to the fins, 
launching the ball and just completely missing. And now knowing that it was like a complete fluke accident just makes it even better for me. Oh yeah, that is so perfect. And I I can't blame you. That that was in contention for me. But there's, uh, I guess I should just roll right into mine at this point. But for me, it was the Dewey independent scenes, specifically two scenes that I'm going to kind of roll into one. And it is the ordering of and then the receiving of the pizza. One, I love the old school stove catching the the marshmallow on fire uh, <laughs> over the stove because I have done that. Yeah, that was um, my runner-up. Yeah, my, my dad really wanted to make a s'mores one year and you know we didn't have anywhere to light a fire we didn't have a wood fireplace anymore so we we made s'mores like i can remember was it my dad maybe it was your dad i don't remember but i clearly remember making s'mores over an electric stove like that and catching them on fire but and then the the scene with the pizza guy where dewey like he's trying to do the right thing and like he's paying these guys and stuff but he just has no clue how money works and he's handing these credit cards to him. And the way he flips open, the thing that sold this is my favorite visual moment, is the way he grabs Hal's wallet. And y- you know this is how Hal opens his wallet because he, like, does the over-exaggerated, like, flip open. And I can remember doing that as a kid, like, seeing my dad, the way he'd open his wallet and, like, FBI agents on TV and stuff. And I remember when I got my first wallet, like, whenever I'd open it, it'd, like, it would be that exaggerated flip, you know? <laughs> to see Dewey do that just it, I don't know it made me laugh I loved it <laughs> moving on to our next award who did you have as your favorite character so I really really like Lois in this and also hate Lois which is why she gets the award it's just so much the stereotypical like overbearing mom yeah and they take that and they do it in such a Lois way like I I don't know I love the trying to coach Malcolm she starts out trying to actively embarrass the boys just in that like offhanded mom way and then it just escalates and gets to what could easily be the most embarrassing moment of their young lives just because she's being Lois. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I just, I love, like, I love a good Lois episode. I think this is a good Lois episode, and I, I love to see that progression. Fair enough, I, I, I can definitely see that. I chose the opposite and I, I chose Malcolm as my favorite character for this episode. <laughs> Shocking. I, I really like, uh, again, that, that that moment with the pins is burned into my brain since childhood. I sort of think of it as the, like, definitive Malcolm moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, because I could... Look, if you had, like just an ounce more attitude especially when you were younger i could have seen you doing that see see i, I don't find malcolm particularly relatable this episode Why? compared to a lot we we are both bad boys fair enough <laughs> but beyond that i don't i don't relate to him much uh, i i just really enjoy his like building impotent rage as a sort of a climaxing in that scene with the uh, marching up and you know I, I i like his growing embarrassment and then his you know just immediate selling out as many 13 year old boys do well once he has the opportunity to make out with the girl he wants to yeah yeah that makes sense he's like yeah you made fun of me but look you made fun of me but you're hot so it's okay exactly yeah i've been there a few times <laughs> i'm still there you should hear the things my wife says to me it's true your wife, <laughs> your wife does bully you yeah what did you have for your okay boomer award your award that sets the episode firmly within its time of release 
So for me, it's two things kind of tied together, and that is the bowling alley computers. Okay. Because that's just around the time that this would have been coming out was actually one of the first times I ever went bowling. And we went bowling when El Marco here in town was new and like had just been renovated for the first time in our life. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and it had those computers for the first time. And, and my dad was really like trying to figure them out. And then on top of that, there's the uh, stereotypical bowling alley arcade in the background. And I, I remember trying to to play the pinball and all that stuff. I would almost try to spend more time when I was younger at the little mini arcade than actually bowling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Way better than bowling. <laughs> I mean, later that changed for me. But when I was... About when this came out, I was a, around 11. So around uh, that time, I was... Last time I went bowling, which was like two years ago, that was still the case for me, dude. That doesn't surprise me. You're bad at it. <laughs> True. And I also don't like it that much. <laughs> I, I consider that the reason I did it, and I think this is just a matter of you being a couple years older than me, is I never remember like bowling without those computers. And the technology is pretty much identical in today in oh. every bowling alley I've been to. Yes. It has not changed. Yes. Once they, the only reason I know that it was like a big thing is because they made such a big deal about it. Right. And like my dad made such a big deal about it the first time we went like if that hadn't have been seared into my brain i'd have been the same way like that that's just that's what bowling is but because yeah. that was my first experience yeah I'm, and i do i did go to a bowling alley not too long after that but my first experience was with the computers but where it just had the like score sheets there were no computers <laughs> you just had the handwritten score sheet on a clipboard at each table and that was i i have never done that in my life uh, it's it's uh it's crappy if it, if it wasn't for the big lebowski i don't think i would have known that existed <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gone to some outdated bowling alleys in my life. Yeah, since I didn't consider that as an option, I had a much more specific small thing. And it's also a continuity because how, oh. uh, uh, like I said in uh, you know the summary, he says that the book he is reading is uh, Wilbur the Worried Worm, but it's not. You actually do get a like small look at the cover of the book, and it's like a looks like a like kids novelization version of A Bug's Life, uh, which had come out like three years prior to this. Uh, but you, you can very clearly see one of the Bugs Life characters on the cover for like a split second. Well, no one had written Wilbur the Worried Worm yet, Jake. Well, that's true. I looked into this a little <laughs> bit. That's not an actual book, but uh -huh. there is a book called Willy the Worried Worm. Nice. It's like a super old children's book. It's probably what they were like referencing to. Probably. But they very clearly just took a Bugs Life book <laughs> and he just had that as the prop. That's funny. And what did you have for the A plot of your heart? Which of the two did you choose? I chose the Hal and Dewey plot line. Fair enough. It, it, it was a very tough competition. They're both very good, but I ended up choosing the A plot. All right, that's fair. And who are you giving your Cloris Leachman Award to? Your award for the best actor or actress. I had to give this to Eric Persullivan. As did I. Yes. Dewey is so good in this episode. Again, the interacting, the tricking Hal, the, the deviousness of the other boys seeking into him. Like, it's a terrible, terrible dark day for Dewey. <laughs> but the acting is superb. Yeah. Including the little, like, knowing smirk that Dewey gives the camera. I just... I don't 
I love Eric for Sullivan in this. Yeah, it's, it's just the little touches. Like you said, the way he takes out the wallet. Like, just, like, the way he orders the, the, the pizza is very, like... It's very, like, Home Alone-esque is what it reminds me of. Like, a kid trying to do adult stuff. Yes, it's... it's oh, so that's what I was about to say. He's got this... He's got the, like, kid imitating the adult thing going. And he's got it down so well. And I absolutely love it. I cannot say enough. This is such, such a good episode. Uh, absolutely. Uh, like I've said in the past, this is my favorite episode. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and I've got some uh, trivia I'll save for the end. Uh, other people agree. It's a very acclaimed episode. Okay, interesting. And that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Who did you have as your least shitty kid? So, for least shitty kid, I struggled with this one a little bit. Okay. I actually have Francis. I also have Francis, okay. despite his very limited appearance in the episode. He takes rejection for the first time, I think, ever super well. You know, Hal tells him, look, I'm not going to buy into your harebrained scheme. And he's like, oh, okay, well, thanks, Dad. Yeah. And, you know, he was trying to go about it the right way and responsibly. He didn't scheme a way to get $100, which is rare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't, like, yell about it or anything. Yeah, no, I, I I, think that Francis definitely, despite barely being there, deserves least shitty kid for once. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay. And David, who did you have as shittiest kid? Well, I know that you and the internet have your conspiracy theories and your beliefs about my character. And that is insane. But looking at this objectively and, you know, really evaluating what happened, I think for one of the first times ever, not the first, but I have to give it to Dewey. He has been so corrupted by the influence of Reese and Malcolm, especially Malcolm, because Dewey is brilliant and he's going to be a genius just like Malcolm, and that's scary, and he's using it for evil just like Malcolm, and I had to give shittiest kid to Dewey because he committed fraud, he tricked his dad, and uh, circumvented his punishment. I'm not even mad about the parakeet thing. Like, I didn't even give him negative points for that. And still, he just, he had so much stacked up against him i just yeah no uh, i i also reluctantly chose dewey as shittiest kid for this episode was it e even us like giving him the benefit of the doubt as the parakeet it's assuming that it's nothing too bad he uh yeah he, he still did all those things that you said and then like the the icing on the cake is really that he you know after all that framed hal for this all the stuff he right. did yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's the framing. Also, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and, and say, after what we saw with Tony, I'm firmly against any headcanon that has Dewey killing the parakeet. I'm pretty sure he set it free. Yeah, I I don't see him intentionally harming the parakeet. No, he set it free. Maybe. He set it free. Maybe. Which, to be fair, can also potentially be deadly for a parakeet. True. But he doesn't know that. Yeah. He sees a pretty bird in a cage and he wants to set it free. Yeah, that, that's kind of the best case scenario that, that I, I'm willing to give him. But even with that, it's he's the still only. the shittiest kid. Yes, but it's the only scenario, Jake. I, I'm willing to say that. Good, because it's the truth. It's canon now. Somebody put that on IMDb. It's like Wikipedia. It doesn't matter if it's true. Wow. <laughs> 
Wow. As a proud contributor to Malcolm in the Metal's IMDb <laughs> trivia section, David, <laughs> I am offended you would say that. It's very thorough. <laughs> Many hours of Buffy was watched <laughs> to corroborate those facts. Oh, like you weren't going to do that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the manner in which I did. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But I, I, I do have a little piece of trivia as we uh, you know, wrap this episode up a little bit. Okay. Uh, and that is that, you know, as I say, this is my favorite episode of Malcolm uh -huh. in the Middle. And uh, IMDb, since we were just speaking of it, agrees this is the highest rated episode on IMDb. That's weird. Yeah. I figured there were others that we'd seen already that would score like around or, or at this level. Uh, there's ones that score like around it. It's not hugely above like other high rated episodes, but it is the highest rated in the series. That's strange to me. Like it was a good episode, but it's not my favorite. Well, David, it's okay to be wrong. Well, I'm not, so it's fine. You, you know, it, it occurs to me as we, you know, wrap this up, how, how different this episode could have gone. You know, so sort of if, like, uh, Hal had volunteered to take the boys instead, it could, could have been just a completely different episode. Yeah, I would like to really explore and think about what happens if Hal goes instead of Lois. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should do that. The, the show doesn't do it. I, I don't think we should do that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm the Middle podcast where we are watching and talking about every episode of Malcolm the Middle one by one in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Bowling, which originally aired April 1st, 2001. Uh, happy April Fool's Day, everyone. <laughs> it was directed by Todd Holland and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and I wish I was a bird. And I'm David, and you can't leave. You're all a part of this. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Bowling, and I, I think we're just going to uh, jump right into the episode. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward episode as far as structure goes. We only have two plot lines this time around. You know, we we have the A plot where Hal takes uh, Malcolm and Reese bowling, and we have a B plot where Lois stays behind with Dewey. It's an L plot, kind of. Uh, yeah, I guess Dewey doesn't do a whole lot. I think he does enough to warrant it not being an L plot. Maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll grant that it's up for contention. Yes. Uh, and seeing as there is no F plot this time, I say we go ahead and we start with that B plot. Yep. Uh, which we learn early in the episode that uh, the re reason Dewey has to stay back is because he did something involving a parakeet, which we don't find out the details of. But he's stuck at home with Lois, and she immediately puts him to bed early as part of his punishment. He doesn't want to go to bed early. Uh, she tells him he doesn't have to go to sleep, he can just lay there all night if he wants to. <laughs> now that's something I've been told before. <laughs> yep. I used to get real bad, like, I don't know, like, especially around Christmas time. Like Christmas Eve night, when I was a kid, I used to have a terrible time sleeping because my bedroom was the closest to the living room, which is where the Christmas tree always was. And so you have combined, you know, the excitement of your kid and the presents and like my dad always woke us up super early and like hyped us up and all, all that stuff. And uh, you combine the excitement of Christmas time with the fact that I can hear everyone else still up and doing stuff. I slept like shit on Christmas Eve, like all the time. And I used to try to like sneak out. And the amount of times I have heard my mom say things like, you know, you have to go to sleep or Santa won't come. Or you don't have to go to sleep, but you're going to lay down. Like it's seared into my brain. <laughs> uh, see, it's like a little, little kid. I was obsessed with catching Santa. Santa Claus, uh, because I had the suspicion that he might or might not be real, and I wanted to confirm for myself. So for like years, I did a thing where every year on Christmas, I slept under the Christmas tree. Nice. Uh, but I am a very heavy sleeper, so I never once woke up nonetheless. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> 
But, uh, of course, Lois would not put up with that kind of thing. And no. she, she immediately puts uh, Dewey to sleep. It leaves him there alone. Then, uh, the next time we come to this plot line, uh, Lois is in the kitchen, and uh, she gets a phone call from Francis, who uh, tells her that he and a bunch of other cadets have, you know, found this cheap car, and if they each pitch in $100, they can buy it. <laughs> and he'll own a seventh of a car. So he tells her, you know, he can use this car to, you know, go out with his friends or do charity work for children. But uh, Lois says, you know, I'm sorry, we, we just don't have the extra money. And of course, Francis, in usual Francis fashion, melts down and yells about how she's just trying to ruin his life. Yes, in, in very Francis perceived righteous indignation, proceeds to yell about how Lois always has it out for him and never understands. As, like, Francis is blowing up at her, Dewey, like, tries to sneak out of his room and without even looking... <laughs> Lois just yells back at him, you stay in that room. Yeah, he just sticks his foot out. <laughs> Get back in there is what she yells. She, she has that mother sixth sense. Yep, eyes in the back of their head. Then we... See, Dewey's next attempt to try to get out of his punishment as Lois is walking down the hall and she hears him crying, uh, but she immediately calls him out for faking it and just keeps walking. Then when Lois comes in to check on Dewey, it initially looks like he's finally fallen asleep. He has his eye closed and he's not moving and she walks over to the bed and she picks up a drawing and it's of Dewey and Lois. In a boat. Yes, and it's, it's a very sweet little picture, and she says, it's, it's, you must really want out of this room if you drew, took the time to draw such a manipulative picture. And Dewey just goes, uh-huh. <laughs> I just love the level of called out there. Lois comes in expecting more shenanigans from Dewey, but he has given up on trying. And she, you know, lists a couple things that he's tried, apparently, in the past to get out of this sort of punishment. And, you know, she, she says she was expecting more of a fight from him. Dewey says, you know, he, he's realized there, there's no point, he's given up. And Lois says, well, it's good that you finally learned your lesson. And she says, you know, 20 minutes of TV time won't hurt you. Go ahead and get up and you can watch some TV. Then, like, Dewey gets out of bed. She says, wait a minute. Is this a new trick? <laughs> she puts him back to bed. And she, like, waffles a couple more times going back and forth. <laughs> and then proceeds to decide that he should watch 20 minutes of TV as a reward, but it shouldn't be TV he enjoys because he still needs punish. Yeah, so he gets 20 minutes of C-SPAN. <laughs> God, that's an eternity as a kid. And uh, as they, like, walk out of the room together towards the living room, Lois asks, which one of us won? <laughs> Dewey says, not sure. The last little bit is uh, Lois and Dewey are, you know, uh, watching TV on the couch where they hear Hal and the boys pulling up. And Lois, like, quickly, you know, to, to clearly uh, show that she didn't waffle it anyway, probably to establish dominance with the other boys, runs Dewey, who has fallen asleep watching C-SPAN, uh, to his bedroom and, you know, tucks him away before going out to sit on the couch herself. With, I think, a cup of tea? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's effectively where that plot line ends. Uh, so let's go over to the only other plot line, the A plot. That's right. Obviously, it, it also starts at home with the boys getting ready for their uh, big bowling trip. Uh, you, you see them putting on cologne and stuff. Hal volunteers to take them. And uh, the, the first real scene that, you know, is separate from the B plot is uh, Hal driving them to the bowling alley. And 
in true fashion, pre-GPS, getting lost and having trouble remembering the directions. That might have been an award. <laughs> you already took one of mine, too, so. But he's also, like, but before he gets lost, he's, like, hyping the boys up, talking about, you know, how much fun they're gonna have. And he compliments them for wearing their cologne. Yep. What does he say? I believe. Classy. Yeah, yeah. He says, is that cologne I smell? And they say, yeah, classy. Oh, I love Hal. But uh, yeah, as you said, he then gets lost <laughs> and can't find the bowling alley. But when, when they do show up, Hal goes in with them and he, uh, you know, buys them their uh, bowling shoes. <laughs> he tells them it's a good thing he has extra money because he stole some from Lois's purse this morning. <laughs> he points out that it's spendy. Yes. And basically implies that the only reason he can afford shoes for all of them is because he took cash from Lois. Right? That, that, I wonder what he would have done if he didn't have enough money. If he'd been like, I don't know, make him share shoes or something. No. Man, that's only, a weird predicament. Only a mad person would do that. No, you don't share bowling shoes. Yeah, and if you were, you would definitely like just go with the larger size. You wouldn't try to split the difference. That's insane. No, yeah, you would go with the larger size. Yeah, I, I consider that briefly, but that, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, what's wrong with you? It's just a thought that popped into my head. Well, it shouldn't have. He leaves Reese and Malcolm uh, to go join their friends, which uh, Reese and Malcolm immediately see a girl that they know named Beth, which they're both excited about. They uh, both have a crush on her. And <laughs> Reese makes a very disturbing comment. Yeah, he does. She's the reason one of the teachers got fired. Yeah. <laughs> they're sort of arguing about who's going to go talk to her, and uh, they, they land on, we'll, we'll both go talk to her. And Reese says, yeah, that sounds fair. Then he immediately elbows Malcolm in the gut and goes to talk to her without him. He asserted dominance. He sure did. In a real Reese fashion. Then he proceeds to immediately blow it with this girl. <laughs> he walks up to her and asks if she wants to hear a joke. Ah, Reese. Reese and his jokes. Said so she says yes. Uh, do you have the joke written down? So I don't. Um, I don't have the actual wording for it written down. It is. It's, so it's essentially. Imagine you're walking along the beach. And do you like to feel the sand in your hair or something? Yeah, uh, he says, uh, how, shit how, how would you like to go to the beach and feel the salty water on your face and the wind in your hair? She says, uh, sure. And he says, okay, then close your eyes. And when she closes her eyes, he takes a sip of his soda, spits it in her face, like reaches out and busses up her hair and says, it looks like you already have. He like sprays it at her, not just like spits it. He does like the pursed lip, like spray effect. That's so gross. Yes. And she is understandably disgusted by Reese. Yes. And just says, you spit on me, what's wrong with you, and stomps away. Man, if only Reese could, like, think things through. Because they start to hit it off in that. Like, he sits down, she calls him too cool to be there, she, he calls her too cool to be there. Like, they're starting to get along. Yeah. And then he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't stop, think about it, and, uh, you know, he makes that dumb joke and ruins it. Yeah, but meanwhile, Hal is getting a lane of his own uh, on the opposite end of the bowling alley because he doesn't want to embarrass the boys. Yeah, he, he couldn't he couldn't bother, you know, being around them and ruining their time. Uh, specifically, it says he doesn't want to cramp their style. Cool so, that Hal. And he, he goes off to uh, bowl himself. He kind of has, realistically, kind of his own plot line. 
A little bit, yeah. I was I was half tempted to like really argue with you that there should be an H plot here, but it wasn't worth it because I know you don't see reason like that. Fair. Then uh, we we see the beginning of Hal's game as he uh, goes to throw his first ball or whatever the correct phrasing for that is, and he immediately gets a strike, and it is the like start of a sort of escalation through the episode of Hal just building more and more superstitions. As like when he goes to do his second one, he realizes like before he does it that when he got his first strike he took a sip of his soda first so of course he repeats that before his second one which is also a strike hang on i'm googling something are you googling the appropriate term mm-hmm. okay yeah everything that i'm seeing just calls it the first ball okay look at me knowing bowling terms you're such an aficionado right uh, back with the boys malcolm is apologizing uh, about reese <laughs> He says they try to limit his exposure to humans. And uh, she says, uh, you're not much like him, are you? And he says, no. <laughs> Lies and slander. He's an equal level of evil. I don't know about that. That's where it ends, but he's an equal level of evil. I don't know about that. Right, because you're blinded by your comparison and, and the real world connections that you feel to Malcolm. Now, listen, I'm, I'm more than willing to say Malcolm is a shithead. Easily the second worst of the kids. Easily. <laughs> I don't think he's as bad as Reese. I think that's crazy. I mean, who knows? There's a lot more show. Fair. But th they sort of start to hit it off immediately, bonding over, you know, not liking Reese. <laughs> and it also helps that, you know, Malcolm goes, uh, throw his first ball, and he immediately gets a strike. You know, she says, oh, wow, you're really good. And he says that he is. Establishing that Malcolm is a good bowler. Yeah, which is where the similarities between you also end. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, he, he's doing well at bowling and he's having luck hitting on girls. Cannot relate to Malcolm this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not good at all. <laughs> then Reese seeing Malcolm and this girl talking and getting a log. He, he of course, uh, is not a fan of that and he immediately has to intervene. <laughs> She tries to do by, uh, he takes a bowling ball and he, like, rolls it at them. Not, yeah, not down the lane. Down the, like, I don't know what the term for it would be, but the, the line, like, where everyone's actually, like, going up to bowl. You have yeah, people, yeah, the, like... the, like, runway in front of the lane. Yeah, you have people having to, like, skip over the ball to finish theirs and then it smacks this dude right in the ankle and takes him out yes it also narrowly misses hal as he bowls another strike yep which we do uh i think we skipped over we do have like another escalation of hal's uh superstitions is uh th this particular one being that like he uh bowls a strike and like as he's celebrating he realizes his pants are unzipped so he like zips them up then he like makes sure that it's like unzipped every time he goes <laughs> Yeah, he zips it up at first, uh, like, and looks a little embarrassed, and then you see him think about it, and he, like, nods to himself, and, and this becomes part of the ritual now. Yes, uh, which, as the ball is, like, going past how we see, he, he's added a kazoo tight as he l releases the ball. Clearly, he told somebody kazoo tight, and he yeah. got a strike. Just every, like, minor detail as he's getting each of these individual strikes is being added to this chain of superstitions. Yeah, I have some interesting stories about this, but we'll... We'll continue on. But as you said, Reese hits a stranger in the ankle and, like, knocks him over. And he gets up and sees Reese just laughing, staring at him. And he, like, goes to move towards Reese and Reese runs away. <laughs> yes, Reese realizes that he has been outclassed. 
Yes. <laughs> it occurs to him that this is a full-grown adult who could probably kick his ass. <laughs> then uh, we, we get some more how as he now has, like, a crowd of people behind him watching as he's, like, getting close to a perfect game, which <laughs> one of them starts to leave. It's the guy who was bowling in the lane next to him, <laughs> who had almost jinxed him earlier by saying he could get a perfect game. Prompted Hal to immediately... <laughs> yes, and now this guy is going to leave and go to the bathroom, but Hal stops him. <laughs> He can't leave. Yes, because everyone in this crowd is now part of this perfect game. It'll be his name on the plaque if he gets it, but, uh, but it'll be all of their victory. That's right. It's all of their perfect game. Yes, and he, like, starts to go into a longer speech, but the guy cuts him off and says he'll stand there, just make it quick. So he has to go to the bathroom. That's right. Back to Malcolm and Beth. They now are trying to find a place to be alone. Malcolm, you know, suggests going outside, but she says there's security cameras out there. Yes. And they, they like, uh, go off to find somewhere else to be alone. Which we, we then get, like, a little cut between, uh, with... What's going on with Malcolm and what's going on with Hal is Hal is, like, getting ready for his, uh, last strike. He has one to go for a perfect game. And the crowd's still there cheering him on. But Malcolm and Beth have gone, uh, like, behind the lanes where the little machines that, like, reset the pins are. That's where they've decided to go make out because it's somewhere they can be alone. Bad choice. Yes. When they go to, uh, finally kiss... Malcolm's uh, hoodie gets caught in one of the machines, and just as Hal is bowling his uh, final frame, the ball is on the way, Malcolm comes crashing into the pins, knocking them all down, and uh, Hal, like, uh, distraught, says, it still counts, right? It's a perfect game, and he, like, tries to get everyone to cheer 300 with him. Very desperately. Yes, but they clearly all uh, no longer see this as a legitimate perfect game. I would also like to add the bowling ball just smacks Malcolm right in the back. <laughs> yeah, poor Malcolm. And how like, gets more and more dejected as everyone just sort of, you know, flitters away, not acknowledging his perfect game. And, like, you can tell from his expression, like, he also is, like, not... He, he doesn't, you know, have the, the full enjoyment that he should of having this perfect game. It's been ruined for him as well. He's just not willing to admit it. Even to himself. Uh, I can only imagine. I've never bowled a perfect game, but I can only imagine. I, I rarely break triple digits, so. I, I have seen people rage over, like, people messing up a 190 game for them because that was their personal record. I can only imagine a 300. Right? Oh, my God. I, I think I've got to, like, 160 is my high. My personal record is... 260, I think, or 250, somewhere in there. Damn. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty high. It was the highest game I've ever bowled. And it was, it subsequently, our buddy Nathan, one of his highest. Not his highest. So I think his highest personal record was a 270 or something like that. It was real close to his personal record. And, and uh, I beat him by like five points or something like that. It was not a lot. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say it was around two. No, 250 sounds more right. I think that's the highest I've ever bowled. I've only ever done it once. Yeah, yeah. I've also never gotten close to my high score again of 160. I remember the first time I saw you bowl over triple digits, and we were all shocked. And Nathan was a little mad and didn't want to count <laughs> it because you were granny bowling for like a third of your throws. It works. But back to the episode, uh, we, we get a little cutaway of Reese hiding from this guy that's now like hunting him. <laughs> He's like hiding under a table that like a family is sitting at just between their legs. 
but but then the uh, bowling alley stuff wraps up as Hal is at the counter arguing with the guy that it this should count as a perfect game. It should. All the pins went down. Yeah. Uh, they, they should have let him, like, bowl one more frame. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they are refusing to acknowledge it as a legitimate perfect game, which, of course, Hal is upset about. And he, he like, stomps away with Malcolm. And he yells at Reese to get out of the photo booth. And when Reese, like, pokes his head out, the guy who's been hunting him sees him. And, like, as Hal just walks out to the car, he pushes Reese back into the photo booth and gets in with him. And you just hear sounds of Reese being assaulted. Well, he also, he puts money into the photo machine. Yes. And then proceeds to, you see a printout of Reese getting beat by the big bully. Oh, now that I think about it, that could have been a good okay boomer awards, the photo booth. I thought about it actually. I did not. I did. It almost it almost was. But but then the like last little tidbit of the episode is of course Hal comes home distraught about his ruined perfect game. When Lois asks him how it went, he says, Next time you take them. And that wraps the episode up. Uh, so let's go to our awards. <laughs> Awards. What did you have for your hot dog with mustard on it award? Your award for the best line. This goes to Lois. Uh, there were a couple howl lines in contention, but when she looks at Dewey and they're walking out of the room and she looks down at him, genuinely confused and asks, who won? And Dewey's <laughs> response of, I don't know. And just then they walk off to the couch together. It's a simple line. It's a simple moment, but it's so perfect. And I love it. I just, it stuck with me. I chose one of what I suspect is the Hal lines that you considered. And it's when he, I think it's when he gets his first strike. He turns and he does like a little dance move and he goes, woo, I'm the mayor of Strike Town. No, that's on, that's after the perfect game comment. So that's like his seventh strike. Oh, okay. But yeah, yes. Once he's really on the way and he, he turns and he does a dance and he crosses his arms in an X which is, you know, what the, the thing does for the yeah, strike. Yeah, it's the symbol for strike. Yeah, he does the strike symbol in front of him and then T-poses. Uh, he goes from that into a T-pose and calls himself the mayor of Strike Town, which, yes, was the contender for best line. But there's just something so sweet and innocent about that exchange between Lois and Dewey that knocked that line off for me. Fair enough. And what did you have for your roller skating keen award? Your award for the best visual moment. Hal's ritual. I Not only do I love the way that they show it developing, but the full ritual. And I'm going to run through it because it's just... Okay, so again, I bowled a lot. Not just with you, but like, that was me and Nathan and Ryan's thing. Like, Nathan loved to bowl. So whenever he wanted to hang out, if there wasn't a movie out that we wanted to watch, we'd go bowl. There was a time there where we were probably bowling twice a week. And, uh... So I spent a lot of time in bowling alleys for a couple years there. And people get superstitious about it. Like, bad. Worse than any other sport or anything. Even worse than some of the poker players that I've met. The superstitions involved with bowling is insane. Like, down to the way you handle and clean the ball. Like, I, there were some bowlers who, like, they had a very specific cloth. And they had to clean their ball with that cloth. And they even, like, down to you had to go counterclockwise with it and stuff. So... To see that put into this very Hal-esque manner where, um, you know, you get people who are like, that's my lane. I have to bowl that lane. I can't bowl anywhere else. Right. And now he's like, you know, he has to take a sip of the water, swish it around his mouth, 
scratch uh, the back of his left calf with his right foot. Then he has to approach, crack his neck, both to the left and the right, unzip his pants, throw the ball, and say, Gesundheit. <laughs> and that's his ritual. He must do this or he will not get a strike. And it is ingrained. It, it, he believes it. That is what causes him to get a strike. And I have seen that kind of stuff before. So it's just, it was really funny. It was an interesting callback to all that time I spent in bowling alleys. It, it definitely, whoever wrote that has spent some time around some competitive bowler. And uh, I don't know, it was just, it was a great scene. I love it. That, that was also my first choice for this award. Uh, but I do have a backup and it, uh, we did talk about it. It is the uh, photos coming out <laughs> of the photo booth of this guy just uh, kicking Reese's ass. He's got, and one, he's got like uh, Reese's uh, <laughs> face pressed against the camera. Uh, and another one, he's got like his fingers like in his nose, <laughs> like pulling it back. Uh, it was just a nice little uh visual way to you know show what happened without actually showing what happened yeah and i feel like i have the answer for this but david who was your favorite character uh hal obviously Same. yeah hal was amazing in this along those lines because i at least for me they're fairly connected who did you give your chloris leachman award to your award for the best actor also Hal, a.k.a. Brian yes, Cranston. Yes, I, I also gave my award to Brian Cranston for, like, the physical comedy of that whole superstition routine. Yes, the, his performance at the bowling alley is perfect. Yes. I love the faces he makes. He's so... We've talked about this, and we will continue to talk about this for the rest of this show. And if we continue the Hal multiverse and go into Breaking Bad, we'll talk about it there, too. Uh, it's the Cranstonverse, David. Cranstonverse, thank you. <laughs> but, look, he is just so good at nonverbal communication and... The, the facial expressions are on point, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, same. I don't really have anything to add there. So what did you have for your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Well, Jake, uh, I chose the bowling alley itself. Specifically, the, uh, m the computers that, you know, you'd enter everything in and that would keep track and the strikes and everything. Because, I mean, around this time, that was... Uh, starting to be more commonplace. It wasn't, we'd moved away from the old clipboard and, and pencil, keeping track of your, uh, which you probably have never experienced. Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, but on top of that, the arcade and uh, everything, the stereotypical arcade in the background that you see in all the shots that's got, like, the cheesy vending machines right next to it. The layout of the bowling alley behind where Hal is bowling is almost identical to one of the ones here in town. Both then and today. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what they're saying. And then to the icing on the cake, when he's making his speech, he mentions the plaque that you already mentioned for bowling a perfect game, and he mentions that it's above the restroom door. There is a bowl, well, was, it's closed down now, but one of the bowling alleys here in town took it a step further. Not only did you have, like, your perfect game above the men's bathroom, but in the men's bathroom, you had a wall of bowlers. And if you bowled above, like, I think it was a 250 in any of their leagues, your name 
got put on that wall, and people had to look at your name while they took a pee. Okay, for my OK Boomer Award, I chose, uh, which we've already talked about a bit, uh, Hal Getting Lost. It actually, like, took me a second to realize that why that felt so weird to me and <laughs> off. And I was like, oh, right, because he doesn't have, like, a phone or any, like, sort of GPS or anything to look this up. I can't remember, like, the last time I've been genuinely lost or, like, been with someone who was genuinely lost because of that. I can. I can remember a funny story about you getting lost, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Legitimately, the last time I was lost, I was driving cross-country to see my now wife, and I had our buddy Nathan, who I've talked about a lot in this with us. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had printed out directions from MapQuest. Who remembers that shit? To get us... We had that in an atlas to get us from Wyoming to Southeast Missouri. And we're driving in St. Louis... And the, the exits in St. Louis can be really confusing, especially if you're from a small town. Because one, they have like 232A through 232 like D. Right. And like sometimes you have to get in another lane in order to go to the two split that then goes into one of your exits. It's really fucking annoying. It's like exitception. Well, this crazy bastard, we're driving and we missed the our chance to get into the lane. And in the middle of St. Louis traffic... He grabs my steering wheel and forces me over. We crossed four lanes of St. Louis traffic, skidding into this exit. How we didn't get hit, I don't know. And then it was still the wrong exit. That's the most Nathan story I've ever heard. Yes. And we had to stop at a White Castle, and we had to ask for directions. And the closest we could get, no one there could tell us, these are people from St. Louis. No one there could tell us how to get to our interchange of highways that we needed. The best they could do is get us back on the interstate. It was awful. But yeah, he almost killed it. So I, I remember driving across the country without GPS. It was awful. Fair enough. But that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Well, and a plot of your heart. Oh shit, yeah, I did skip that, didn't I? Yeah. What was the A plot of your heart, David? I mean, the A plot. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> or the H-plot had you... Yeah, I was gonna separated. say, if, if we wanted to divide it, it would be the H-plot. But I, I do also in, uh, enjoy the uh, other parts of the A-plot as well. I do too, but it's mostly how. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now that just leaves our shittiest at least shitty kid awards. There you go. Who did you have as your shittiest kid? This one has caused me some dispute internally okay because on one hand you have reese being reese and then you have malcolm well he isn't necessarily shitty yeah i was gonna say what does malcolm do that's shitty here he's just so awful but look his actions are bad but they aren't shitty what what actions does he do that are bad everything He's just... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I want actual events from the episode that uh, are shitty. He sneaks into the staff-only area and then gets caught up in the machine and ruins Hal's perfect game, which is 100% what I was thinking of. Now, okay. I'm not saying that he deserves it for that, but... It was close. I, I felt strongly <laughs> that, enough. Now, how much of that was for the trespassing and how much was for ruining Hal's perfect game? Oh, it was all for the perfect game. Yeah, Jake. I figured. Yeah. 
Which is why I didn't end up giving it to him. Okay. Because while that's a shitty thing to do, he didn't do it on purpose. He did do a shitty thing to cause it to happen, but we call that natural consequences. Yeah. I, I also don't think what he did was super shitty. Oh, it's super shitty. Nah. No, going back there when you're not supposed to be back there, that's super shitty. And no, that's not. And it gets you kicked out of bowling alleys. It's shitty. It's not super shitty. Oh, no, it's super shitty because then you get kicked out of your first place ever. And it starts a trend that just continues. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, by Wilkerson standards, getting banned from a place, that's not, that's not even shitty. That's just par for course. <laughs> that might be for them, but it was traumatizing for me. So I ended up giving it to Reese. Yes. Who, with the exception of rolling the incredibly dangerous bowling ball down the line of innocent civilians to try to fuck with Malcolm, didn't do anything all that shitty for Reese. The bowling ball incident, it, it topped the cake. See, I, I feel like you skipped over a thing that, for me, personally, gets into the super shitty thing, which is the spitting in Matt's uh, face. I, uh, That's just such... Oh, that, that bothers me so, so much. It's such a Reese thing to do, though. Yeah, it's definitely on brand for him, but that stuff... People <laughs> spitting actively at each other. I don't know why, but, like, I would rather someone knock me the fuck out <laughs> than spit on me. I remember we had this uh, conversation on our live stream once, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A fucking weirdo viewer, who I think is one of our mods, tried to get you to spit water at me, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> I offered to be tased in place. They were willing to pay me yes. to do it. Yes. Yeah. And I said no. Yeah. I I don't know what it is, but that just gets to me. That's so funny. My wife's the same way. She hates spit. Like, she's in the medical field. She can draw your blood. She can collect any bodily fluid from you except for sputum. <laughs> she can't do it. Yeah, and, like, e even that I don't think would bother me. Like, collecting someone's spit, but someone spitting at another person just drives me fucking insane. It's so gross. Dude, you are going to get the most random emails now of people just sending you, like, spit porn. Oh, Please, no. Please, God. Oh. All I'm saying is just be careful of links in your email for a little while. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, but because of that and the bullying thing, I, I also chose Reese's shittiest kid. I mean, the bullying ball thing seems worse to me. Not me. Bre break my fucking ankle with a bowling ball. Go for it. Just don't spit at me. That's too far. Oh, my God. And who did you have as least shitty kid? I mean, obviously, the perfect angel, Dewey. Hang on. Okay. It's very clear that he was in trouble for something. But given what we know with the relationship with Tony, Dewey is a very animal and nature-concerned person. He probably accidentally liberated, yeah. I'm doing in air quotes, the parakeet from the neighbor because he thought it was trapped in a cage and it needed to be free like all the other birds. Yeah, I, I think we can just uh, agree on that and move on. I feel like we don't need to talk about that more because I also chose Dewey. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because he was a perfect angel. Yeah, and he, like Lo Lois even points out that he didn't, you know, try as many tactics as usual to try to get out of his punishment, uh, which implies improvement. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think Dewey's least shitty kid. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. Yep, it's absolutely clear. Yeah, and I mean, just process of elimination, you know. Yeah. Malcolm does do, you know, the the, the a very minor bad fate of, of, you know, going to the employees only area. And I, Francis just blows off by Lois for no reason. That was, that was just uncalled for. Yeah, I mean, what the hell. Yeah, so that just leaves now, before we go to our last uh, segment for, you know, you, I do have a little bit of trivia I want to share. Because, you know, I, I've said in the past that this is my favorite episode, and there's a couple other people that agree. Yeah. This episode, David, won not one, but two Emmys. 
Oh, really? It won both the award for best directing and for best writing. It beat out another episode of Malcolm Middle that was also nominated that we haven't got to yet from this season. Okay. And it also beat out the finale of Freaks and Geeks. Wow. Yes. Which I know that's a real... That, that really sticks with you. Yeah, it, I, I have a hard time deciding which one of those episodes I personally would choose. They're, they're like two of my all-time favorite sitcom episodes. I will say the Emmys before this, I just, Malcolm, Malcolm the Middle, the pilot of that uh, beat out the pilot for Freaks and Geeks. That one I'm more willing to say Freaks and Geeks was robbed. I think they had a better pilot than Malcolm in the Middle. This one I'm not sure. Okay. I think I might like Bully more than the finale of that show. Okay. And one more little bit, which confuses me, honestly. Okay. So apparently this episode was uh, partially the inspiration for the community episode Remedial Chaos Theory. Uh, you know, the one where they like roll the dice to decide who goes and gets the pizza? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which doesn't make much sense to me, but I really like that episode too. So, that you know, whatever, whatever inspired it from this episode must have been pretty good. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me. Also, that was a really straightforward episode. Like they roll the die yeah. and then Abed goes and gets the pizza and but, that's all that really no, happens. No, no, what? No, no, David. Troy goes and gets the pizza. No. What? It's, it's like the best. It's, it's like a, a weird episode. People die in that episode, David. What are you talking about? Yeah, and he comes back. Everything's on fire. The troll's staring at him. What? Screams, what's happening? What's wrong with you? Pierce gets shot. What's wrong with you? You're completely misremembering that episode, David. Uh, I feel like you've never seen that episode. Also, for our viewers listening to this, they've also probably never seen that episode. I mean, Community was a great show, but not everyone's seen it, Jake. True. It wasn't super popular. It was fairly popular, and it had a recent, like, really big resurrection. It did have a resurrection. That's actually what I was about to talk about. But, yeah, no, this is Malcolm in the Middle podcast. This yes. isn't our Community podcast fair if enough we did a community podcast would every episode be the community segment that'd be the name of the show David. oh there you go yeah <laughs> damn it we just gave that away why did we just give that away we've got so long to cover malcolm in the middle nobody steal that trademark that's how that works <laughs> i'm trademarking that <laughs> so we're trademarking the community segment which we definitely invented that phrase yeah exactly and no it can't be the community segment jake because it's got to be like the show it's just community segment yeah what kind of idiot would think it's the community <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, what kind of idiot doesn't realize that it's about a community college for the first season? Wait, did you not realize it's about a community college the first season, David? <laughs> did, did you just reveal another dumb thing you about that no. show for you? I know that it was about a community college. Uh, my my statement was a little misleading. Okay. What I did not realize. Because my brain just did the thing where it didn't associate for whatever reason. I didn't put together that it was called Community because they were at Community College. Gotcha. I put together that it was the Community because they were creating a community. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up. It was like halfway through the first season before I went, oh fuck, it's called that because it's a community college. That's great. <laughs> I think it was the episode, the first time they fight one of the other community colleges, and it becomes like a really big deal that, you know, it's a community college. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Look, you mentioned community. I studied a lot of anthropology and sociology. You mentioned community to me, and my brain does not associate that word with community college just uh, me neither until the first episode starts with uh welcoming all the new students <laughs> to greendale community college 
Look, I knew they were in a community college. I just thought the name was talking about them building their little. I mean, David, it works subculture. on. It works on two levels. Does it? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Abed says that can't happen, or can it? <laughs> we're not talking about the right show here. What is happening? <laughs> well, what's happening, David, is we're going to David's guessing game, the final segment of the show. Oh fuck. Uh, so, you, first of all, you're you're great for this episode. You didn't do great. You predicted that the like central conflict of this episode would be that uh, Lois and Hal would like be arguing over which one of them Mal uh, Malcolm would you know team up with for team bowling. You thought he would be caught in the middle. Gee, I wonder what would have given me that idea. <laughs> and, and he would have to like you know try to choose between them, and that would be like the conflict with you know th them getting upset with each other and him maybe like switching back and forth. I also pitched a Groundhog's Day type thing. Yes, <laughs> which is completely out of left field. This is a very straightforward episode. For some reason, you thought it was going to be a Groundhog Day episode? Weird. I, I I feel like you just didn't get, like, anything important for this episode. I hate you so much. I, I'm going to have to give you, I think, like, a 50% on this one. You, you thought that, you know, it would be central to the plot that both Hal and Lois are there. Could not be... More the opposite of that. It's actually important that they're not both there. They were both in the episode. <laughs> I suppose you also want points for predicting it would involve bowling. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> no, the, the only points you're getting here are sort of the nebulous uh, Groundhog Day connections. I mean, I don't know that I've seen this trope. Uh, specifically, this is a Sliding Doors episode. Which gets its name from the movie Sliding Doors. I don't know that I've seen this replicated all that much in uh, sitcoms. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's not nearly as common. And the other examples I have seen of it mostly aren't sitcoms. Like, The X-Files, I think, does it a couple times. Yeah, I, I, I would never have been able to guess this layout. Fair. Uh, the, the only other sitcom example I can think of is that Community episode. Yeah. The, it 100%. Like, Groundhog's Day was the most, like, viable to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it, it was a decent guess, which is why I didn't give you a zero. Right, I appreciate that. Uh... <laughs> but this is your lowest score yet. Well, yeah, look, that's okay. You throw away the lowest grade anyways, right? What? No, fuck oh, you. You, you would be one of those professors. I hate you. You're the worst teacher Throw away ever. the lowest grade? That's crazy talk. Also, I've never had a teacher do that. I had, like, four of them. Weird. But I also, to be fair, in every single one of those, we had a test every week. Gotcha. And so you had, you know, your your lowest score was a throwaway. Okay. I, I have had teachers be like, the entire class failed this test, so we're not going to count it. But I feel like that's the closest I've ever been. So the next episode, David is Reese versus Malcolm. What do you think happens in the episode Reese versus Malcolm? That's every episode. Is Malcolm in it? Yes. Is Reese in it? Yes. They're against each other. I That's not true. Sometimes they unite against Lois. That's rare, but it does happen. Hell, I don't know. I mean, they just competed for the whole girl's affection thing. Maybe that's what it is, but I don't think so. Will it be a physical content? That would be interesting. I would love to see. You know what I want it to be? I don't think it is, but you know what I want it to be? I want it to be a boxing match between Reese and Malcolm. I want that. Okay, well, what do you think it is? I don't know, Jake. <laughs> I really don't. Oh, maybe. that would. We haven't seen that. That would be weird, though. No one would vote for Reese. What am I thinking? Because I thought, like, we haven't seen, like, a class president type, you know, episode. Yeah, like, like a Slayer Fest 98 kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Also, wow, <laughs> you nerd. 
To be um, fair, that is the last Buffy episode I watched. Uh-huh. Anyways, but I, so I was thinking, you know, like, maybe it becomes a Reese versus Malcolm, but who the fuck would vote for Reese in that school? Reese has terrorized the shit out of that school. So, but you know what? I'm going to lock that in. I'm probably going to, this is a throwaway test. It doesn't count. No, it counts, <laughs> but go ahead. Shut up. <laughs> no, I, I just, I have no fucking clue. I really want it to be a boxing match, but I think it's going to be something like class president or something, and uh, or some, some sort of class-related, school-related thing, probably class president. And I think that Reese is going to get goaded into competing against Malcolm somehow, and then I think that it's going to be a sort of back and forth between them. If it is the class president or something like that type of race, I think Reese is going to employ some dirty, underhanded tricks to get at Malcolm. And so, like, Reese will attack Malcolm's, uh, you know, sort of cool factor or whatever. And I think Malcolm will retaliate, but in a allegedly more dignified way that's probably is equally as fucked up. I could see things like, for instance, Reese pantsing Malcolm in front of all the popular girls and embarrassing him. And Malcolm doing something like, you know, retaliating with an attack ad of, Reese hasn't even ever gotten a C. You don't want someone that dumb being class president. And to be fair, that's only because that teacher was out to get him. Yeah, they've all been out to get him <laughs> ever since he started school. <laughs> um, but that's that's all I've got. Okay, who do you think wins? As shitty as, you know what? I'm going to bet the underdog here. I don't think I'm right, uh, but I'm going to throw away the points anyways. I'm going to say Reese. Okay. Because fuck Malcolm. Reese wins because fuck Malcolm. Got it. Yeah, I, I just, I don't have enough there to guess as to why. Fair enough. But I just really hope Reese wins. Even if it's just the moral victory and Malcolm wins whatever contest it is, that's fine. I just really hope Reese walks away with the moral victory of whatever happens. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, that wraps this episode up. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter where we are... Uh, Shut up. <laughs> unfair underscore podcast. Yeah, yeah. Where we are unfair underscore podcast. I couldn't remember which one it was. Or by email where we are life is unfair pod at gmail.com. I forgot which one was which for a second. <laughs> you get hold of a um. Shut up. If you like the banter back and forth here and you want to catch us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we hang out, talk to chat, and answer questions that you guys have live, all while playing video games and just having a generally good time. Thanks for listening, and remember, life is unfair. I... No, no, I actually... We need to redo that. <laughs> Did you have them backwards? Yes! <laughs> nice, okay. You're gonna have to edit all that out. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Do so you want to start over, lead me back into the shit? <laughs> okay, uh... <laughs>